This is a stand-up New York Labs production, providing you podcasts since 2013. This is In The Conversation. This is Ali Muhammad. Happy New Year to all the conversationalists out there, of course. With me leading off the conversation, you already know, D. Lemon is on the road. He's uh, in, in Atlantic City, I think, doing shows. And so I'm home alone. But I'm not alone, of course. You know what I'm saying? We always have uh, interesting conversations when uh, D is out. And this week, we got a friend of mine. His name is Terry Corbett. He's like a, uh, what, do they, what do they call those, Altiers? Uh, a super st- stylish, bespoke tailor to the rich, famous, and, and otherwise. A connoisseur of culture. Um, and we're producing a show together that will, you know, will come together sometime this year. So, uh, Terry Corbett, can you talk to us for a second? Let them know. Who you are, let them hear how you sound. What's up, what's up, what's up? Check the uh, mic, one, two, check the mic. <laughs> I'm in the house. That's what we're going with. <laughs> yeah, we're going with, we going with, hey, we going with uh, 1980s Run DMC. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Let, let, let them know, let them know where that come from. <laughs> let them know how you came up with that. <laughs> oh, man, it's just in the jeans. Man. Man, tell them that story you just told me. What's up? Man? The Home Depot story. Oh, my, my gosh, man. So I'm in high school, man. It's like maybe like around, I want to say 82. I don't know. I had 13 W2s that year. So, you know, it was it was it was it was it was real uh, ugly for me. So my mom wasn't really happy at all. But um I get a job at uh, Home Depot and this at the time with Home Depot wasn't as fancy as it was uh today. You know, Home Depot, they were still trying to get them let getting their uh legs up under them and understand the market and so therefore Home Depot you know, most of the stuff is kind of like a bodega in New York City. Nothing has prices on it. <laughs> so if you come to New York City, <laughs> you'll know exactly what I'm saying. So I used to, uh, um, probably one of the only young uh, African Americans that uh, was at the uh, cash register. And so I used to have to call and ask for a price check. <laughs> and I don't know why. <laughs> they gave us, uh, they gave a, a, what was I, a 15, 16 year old. After listening to Run DMC and Rakim coming up in that, uh, no, actually no, Run DMC and Beastie Boys coming up in that time, being birthed on that music, I don't know why they gave me the mic, Ali. Yeah. So how the mic check, how the uh, how the price check go? <laughs> oh my gosh! So the price check, the price uh, check would start like this: Yo 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 yo. Check the mic one two. Check the mic. Check the mic one two. Check the mic. I need a price check. <laughs> <laughs> What's your, what's your boss say about that? <laughs> He's just shake his head, man, because I was the only one that would show up and work hard and work all day and work all night, man. All right, you know, no I need the money. I was in the projects, man. So. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, I, I did a rough introduction on what you do and, you know, and, and who you are. But let them know what you do and who you are because I know you have a, a more detailed and, and more sophisticated way of uh, presenting what you do. 
Wow, that's uh, man. When you leave that up to me with a, with any parameters, I begin to ramble, and I right, just, and I do not want to bore you out. Give, there, give us I'm the, just give a regular us, dude. Give right? us the one two one two version. Grew up in St. Petersburg, Florida, uh, Florida, in Bethel Heights. St. Petersburg is across the bridge from Tampa. Most people know Tampa, but I'm here to put St. Pete on the map. We yeah. call it we call it the Berg. If you went to FAMU, you know about the Berg, right? Yeah, yeah. you know, you got Will Packer, you got uh, yeah. you know, um what's her name? Yeah. Auntie. Yeah. Um what's her name? Yeah, Will ain't uh Will Packer ain't trying to cut me no checks right now. And I'm from the same hometown. Will, can I make a suit for you, man? What what's going on, man? Come on, I'm gonna step your game up, man. And you got Angela Bassett? Yeah, Angela Bassett. Actually, Angela Bassett grew up in Jordan Park. Let me explain Jordan Park to you. Uh America. Actually, I'm sorry. Ali's a global kind of dude. So I'm speaking to all different markets in all parts of the world, right? No doubt. So let me explain to you the world of Jordan Park, right? Imagine Cabrini Greens. Imagine uh, all of Crenshaw, all of East St. Uh, Louis. Imagine, what's that rough area in Miami, man? There's plenty of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Overtown. Overtown, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine Overtown, and all of this is within about uh, a small uh, projects, right? So everything and, 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 and anything went down in Jordan Park. So for Angela Bassett to make it out of Jordan Park, trust me, I don't know who you are, who's listening, where you're from, what you're dealing with, um, whether you believe in yourself or whether you don't believe in yourself. Understand something. If Angela Bassett can come from Jordan Park and get to the level that she's at right now, anything is possible. No doubt. So, what was the name of your park? You was, what'd you say? What was the name of your neighborhood? Uh, I was in Bethel Heights, man. And what was your projects called? Uh, my, be- my, my projects, man, it wasn't really all that tough, man. And nobody took your sneakers or anything like that. You had to just man up every now and then. Even when you, you know, 10, 11 years old, you got to get into, you know, a, you know, a fist of cuffs or whatever. But it wasn't Jordan Park. I'm just, I'm, I'm just right. trying to keep it real with you. Right. But <clears throat> you came up out of St. Pete, right. you know, and you came up what on the clothes? What you came up? What was your first well, big, big ventures? Well, when I was, um, when I was uh, very young, um, I used to play Pop Warner. Right. So I played football. Football, I was quarterback. Basketball, I played point guard. Baseball, I played. Uh, I, pl- I, was a, I was a pitcher. I was shortstop. And so at a very young age, I was, I was extraordinarily popular. And what happened was is that now I'm about 11, 12 years old, and, and, um, and because I'm so popular, I began to- extraordinarily popular. Beyond that. I'm a living, <laughs> I'm a living fucking legend, Okay. <laughs> So, I'm you know I'm extraordinarily popular as a 12 year old. So obviously at 12 year old, you know what I'm saying. Now you want to start taking a bath every day, right? You want to smell good, you know. You start looking at the ladies and everything. But the thing about it was that you know I grew up in the projects. My father was gone. Um, my mother was just trying to do the best that she can. And um, I I you know I didn't. And this has nothing to do with it, but hopefully you can understand. I was very, uh, I became very well of myself, um, meaning that of what I didn't have. So I didn't really feel that good about myself. So the first thing that I thought about was, is you know what? I want to learn modeling because I associated clothing with modeling. So now, here it is the world. 
I love saying America, but I'm gonna say the world because I'm I'm sitting with Ali Muhammad, and uh, who's he, extraordinarily popular, you know. Right, and he does things very, 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 very big, very big, very. Big. Hey, come on, man, <laughs> let's get with it. So, so, um, so I joined this modeling troupe. I can't remember the uh, the ladies' names, but it ain't the type of modeling that you think, America. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing Sears and Roebuck, right? We, you know, we're at the. Uh, you know, we're we're performing at the uh, local rec centers, and 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 we're performing. You know, um, in people's um, backyard. You know, we would uh, you know get dressed up, and she would show us how to model, and and so what have you. So, but there's a problem, right? I'm 12 years old. I don't have any money. I'm you know, as a matter of fact, I think back to this day of of, of where I've come from, and um, I act. I literally had to go to school to eat. That's how poor we were. And uh, so I didn't have any money, um, but I had to secure clothing to model. So what I would, so I, what I found out was that at that time, see now you guys call them, you guys call them um, uh, thrift shops or consignment shops. We called them flea markets, right? So <laughs> I used to be able to go in at twelve years old and cop a Gucci blazer for like three dollars because I'm down in Florida, right? Like three dollars, mm-hmm. a shirt for ninety eight cents. I know y'all can't even believe that, right? Now. It led to another problem, and guess what it was? The shit was too big for me. I was 12 years old. So, Ali, what do you think the solution was, man? I don't know. All right. If it was me, I would have been wearing it like a, a cape. No. I couldn't wear that shit. <laughs> like a ghost. So what I did was I didn't have enough money to take it to a tailor, even though I didn't even know what the fuck a tailor was. Excuse my French. So I began to take this stuff apart at 12 years old, with a needle and thread and figure out how to tailor it for myself. So you was on some real life Gordon Gartrell shit. Yeah, absolutely. And that's how I started. That's how I started. And then then I matriculated. Years later, I ended up moving to Atlanta. And I was working at an investment firm called A.G. Edwards. And um, I realized that the corporate world wasn't for me. And I decided that I was going to take some tailoring courses. I took tailoring courses from an African dude named Joseph. I can't think of his name right now. Um, he was very instrumental in my life, uh, as many others. I always give credit when credit's due. And I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but in the 90s, one of the most popular outfits to wear was the hoodie and the sock hat with the tie. Y'all remember that? Yeah, yeah. Um, the hip hop, you know, yeah. Naughty by Nature. There you go. Tie up at the top. There you uh, go. Who had Clark and I had one, Cross Colors had some. There you go. There All you go. that shit. Yeah. What, what about it? Absolutely. So, um, so I told my I told my girlfriend at the time, and uh, my wife has been with me from day one. Uh, we, uh, I think this is twenty nine years now we've been together. So, damn, yeah, y'all 20. love us. You can call it that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but my wife, I love her. She's been she's had my back, and I, I don't know what I would be without her. So I so have to say that the top hats. Yeah. So fast forward. Um, so here's the thing. So uh, I hated it at A.G. Edwards, and um, I, the corporate world was just, just wasn't for me. They recognize when you get a haircut. They recognize when you have a new pair of shoes. They recognize everything. There's always this, there's always with games within games. I was like, I, I'm, not, I'm not with this, right? So I was in the mall one day at uh, Lenox Mall in Atlanta, Georgia, and I saw a beautiful shirt, and... The shirt was very expensive. 
Now, mind you, this is uh, 80. I moved to Atlanta in 89, so I got, AJ was 90. So 1990, the shirt was $300. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I can make this shit. So that precipitated me by taking um, um, sewing courses. Uh, actually, my first sewing course was uh, Jabri. Jabri's no longer here. Um, beautiful gentleman. Um, uh, he died uh, very early on. So I decided that I was going to make my own clothing. So within three months, I I decided to leave this amazing job at A.G. Edwards. I was training to be a broker, by the way. So your boy's kind of sharp, right? But I realized that that (laughs) life wasn't for me. (laughs) So I opened up a shop at Greenbrier Flea Market. I put a sewing machine in there, and I was sewing hoodies and sock hats. So, the tie-up sock hats. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned it. Yeah. And you just mentioned it again. Mm-hmm. So, are you saying that you created the sock hat? No, I have no. I didn't create the sock hat. So, where did you see the sock hat? I saw it on. I believe I saw it on a on a hip hop video. Mm-hmm. And um, I just you know I just love the I just love the I I just love what it represented. I love it. It represented our culture. I felt I felt in some way. That it also represented our ancestry, mm-hmm. right? So it it had multiple meanings to me. But here's the, here's the thing, right? So I opened up at Greenbrier Flea Market, right, mm-hmm. right across from Greenbrier Mall at the time. My first customer was Rico Wade and Pat Sleepy Brown from Organized Noise. My mm-hmm. first customer. That's a, that's a good customer, right? And they was cracking. Um, oh, no, that was before not, they was cracking. Not, not at the time. This is around 93, 94, because Outkast came out in 95, I, th- yeah. I believe. 94, 95. 94, like, I think. 94, right? Mm. So. Yeah, 94. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I meet Rico. Rico, forgive me. Please mm. forgive me, Rico. Rico, hey man, hey, 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 hey man, hey, 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 we, we got this group, man. We, 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 signed, we, we signed with LaFace Records, man. Yeah, yeah with, with LA Reed, man. I said, yo, man, I said, yo, um, I I make clothes, um, I do music as well. And Rico was like, hey, man, y- y- you got to come by. So <laughs> Rico going to kill me. <laughs> Rico. So uh, my brother to this day, we don't talk. Mm-hmm. But, and the reason we don't talk, and this is a whole nother level, this is a whole nother story, is that I credit Rico with everything I've gotten this point in life. And we don't speak. And the only reason that we don't speak is because my whole dream was to come back and, and give him a check for a million dollars, and I don't have a million dollars yet. So he doesn't know this, but that's the only reason. And I'm about ready to cry. I'm sorry. He know it now. But he doesn't even know that that's the reason I don't I don't really stay in touch because my whole thing was about, was about I got to come back and bless the people that gave me life. So at any rate, so Rico Wade uh, and Pat Sleepy Brown and Ray Murray, that's the, that's the trilogy from Organized Noise. Mm-hmm. Um, so they invited me to the dungeon, and guess what, y'all? I'm sitting in the dungeon in Rico's mom's basement, right? And I'm listening to the unfinished Southern playlistic Cadillac music, and that's where I met everyone. Mm-hmm. And within about six months to a year, Rico introduces me to LaFace Records, L.A. Reed, right? Babyface was, I think he was in L.A. at the time or whatever, but L.A. is running uh, LaFace Records. 
and I began. So Rico was responsible for not only introducing me to just um, Outkast. I, I think uh, Big Boy bought, bought some stuff for me. Um, uh, Andre was on his own vibe. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't really do anything. And I love Andre. Very, 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 very amazing talent. And then I ended up doing. Um, I actually made CeeLo's first suit mm-hmm. um, because, and it was a very unfortunate incident. CeeLo's mom passed, um, and um, he asked me to make him his first suit. CeeLo was in Goody Mob. They hadn't even come out yet. And um, extraordinarily talented. Um, America, you have no idea what you're missing right now. Um, uh, I'm sorry, Ali. This man can sing his ass off. He can sit there at the piano and he can play. Don't get this rap shit twisted. CeeLo is one of the most amazing artists I've ever heard in my life. He is... He's... CeeLo really is like Al Green, man. And I know you should never put a, a, a young artist with an old artist, but that's what I um, that's what I think of when I think of CeeLo's voice. Anyway, so um, because of because of obviously because of my hard work and talent, but also because of uh, Rico and, and Pat, uh, Rico introduced me to uh, uh, to L.A. Reid from LaFace, and within think about this, America. With I'm sorry, think about this, Ali. Within six months to a year, Usher, Usher was very young at the time. I think he had just finished his first album because Puffy did his first album. Right. I don't call him Diddy. Puffity me. So Puff had uh, did his first album. It, 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 it didn't get the sales they want. But anyway, Usher used to come by my apartment and just hang out, just unannounced. CeeLo used to come by. Um, um, I remember Usher in the sock hat. Yeah, 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 yeah. You made that? I don't remember. I back then I, I was rolling. I really was. Um I, So I was, so with these artists, you are <clears throat> making clothes? Yeah. What what type of like yeah. for videos or just for um, life for, for how how um, how's it working? For 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 the everyday life as well as for the videos. Like there's several there's a couple of there's at least two or three videos I did for uh for uh Society of Soul. Which is Sleepy Brown's project. Mm-hmm. I did the styling for uh, several projects uh, for Goody Mob. Um, I never styled. Uh, I never styled an Outcast video. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, I th- they had their own vibe, right. and, and 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 it wasn't it wasn't for me. But um, I also worked with Tony Rich, who was a huge artist at the time for LaFace Records. Right. Um, I also um, even I even did some stuff with uh, TLC. Uh, that was on their uh, first album. That was before they even blew up. They had the sock hat too. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you know, I, I had I didn't understand, and I really wish I had had a mentor or a, a, a father or something to tell me of the situation I was in. Because for me, at that particular time, I took everything as it's like I'm going to get the mail. It was yeah. commonplace for me. But you was young. That's what. That, yeah, I was. I was very young. You know what I'm saying talent is wasted on the youth. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So that's kind of how I got my start, and then you know, um, so, that ended up matriculating into. Um, I'll never forget. I was at. Uh, I was at. Uh, Rico asked me to meet him at Patchworks. Bob Whitfield, who um, used to play for the Atlanta Falcons, who was married to Sheree Whitfield from the uh, Housewives, um, Atlanta Housewives. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a studio um, called uh, Patchworks. Yeah, it's, it's label, the, it was a label first. 
Yeah, he had, he had uh, Razzcast signed. Razzcast, he had another cat, Mean Green. That's, yeah, Mean Green. Yeah, I, was, I like Razzcast, though. Um, yeah, she had the nipples the size of, of silver dollars. I'll never forget that line oh, right there. That, oh, uh, Razzcast. Yes, with Razzcast. Oh, okay, <laughs> Razzcast right, right. is a beast. So Bob Whitfield had um, Patchwork, and then when he built the studio, it was the, one of the most advanced studios yeah. in the South. In the South, in the South. Right. Bob, did a, did, Bob did an amazing job. And um, now Kurt, Kurt bought it from him. Kurt was his business partner. No, Kurt worked for him at the time. Kurt went to Michigan State. He also played with, uh, I think he played at Michigan State with a, with a former client of mine who played for the Pittsburgh Steelers named Myron Bell. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but now Kurt actually bought it from Bob, and now, uh, and now he's running it. But here's the thing. So I was at Patchworks one night with, uh, with Rico, and they're working on some new shit. I want to say it was a remix for Brian uh, Brian McKnight or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, actually, it was a remix for In Vogue, "Don't Let Go," which became a fucking huge fucking monster hit. And um, Rico had on a red suit that I made, and Bob used to clown me all the time. He would never give me a shot, <laughs> and he would never give me a shot. And I'm like, yo, like I make what the client wants. That's what I do. I'm a custom clothier. Right. You know, I do bespoke uh, in the truant sense. And and, and 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 I don't apologize for that, you know. Nor should I, Ali. So I didn't ask you to. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so he introduced. So I met Bob, and that's kind of how I um, transitioned from doing um, music to uh, professional athletes. So because of Bob, I um, and because of Kurt, I ended up doing the Atlanta Falcons, Cincinnati Bengals, Cleveland Browns, um, Atlanta Falcons, uh, New York Jets. And what have you. Right. Yeah. So you're making clothes, mm-hmm. right? And you, you got some clients and shit. Mm-hmm. What is your philosophy on what you're doing? Not not who you're doing it for, but the actual work that you're putting in. If I was, you know, Ali, and that's a that's a really good question. And I try and tell um young guys all the time. I don't mentor I don't mentor many, but the ones that I, I can, I, I I you know, I try and you know, give them as much of insight um, from my experiences in this business. The most important thing that you could do as a, um, a uh, as a designer, uh, whether you're doing bespoke or you're doing custom, you're sewing from your home, it doesn't matter. It's all the same. Qu- you know, product is product. Um, is understand your customer. Understand your customer. You know, you have to understand their lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? You have to understand, you know, what they eat, what they drink, um, the chicks they date. If they got a if, if they got a wife, you meet the wife. If they got a jump off, you got to understand the jump off because the jump off is ha- having them introduce introduce him to you know to different music. Mm-hmm. So therefore, he's gonna move different. He's gonna dress differently, right? You got to know what he eats. You know if if you know um, you know w- what does he eat for dinner? Where, um, how often does he travel? Where does he travel? Now everything that I'm telling you right now. It helps you make more money, and I'll tell you why. When you understand everything that is about your client, you become so. Um, damn, I wish my I wish my vocabulary was 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 as great as Ali uh, world. Just 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 lay it out there, yeah. Mike. Yeah, because you know, so, so when I get to that point, yeah. I just cuss. <laughs> I just say shit, motherfucker, right. <laughs> or know what I'm saying. Yeah. You know right. what I'm saying? Everybody, right. everybody who listens knows right. that. <laughs> so I would say this: that it's very so. When you understand your whole client's lifestyle, 
not only can you provide a, a better service and more service, but you can make more money. Because if I know that Ali Muhammad, every August, the second, actually the first week, he goes to Martha's Vineyard. For Black Illuminati Week? Not Illuminati Week. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I call it. Right? Right. He goes the first week. Second week is when everybody comes, right? Mm-hmm. But if I know that the weather at Martha's Vineyard is about 78 degrees, and I know that they always have a party on Wednesday at Lola's, which has now been sold, right? Mm-hmm. And that it's an all-white party. Now, I can sell Ali more clothing. You see how this works? The more you know about your client, the better service that you can offer them. So you're just assuming that I'm going to need more clothes Absolutely. for Absolutely. for the for the white party and Lola's yeah. and shit. Well, Lola's just got sold. So Brett Wright, who's an amazing, amazing Brett Wright and Lynn Burnett, who owns uh, what's Uptown. It? Uptown Magazine, mm-hmm. they have been doing their thing now at the Vineyard and... Uh, and um, they do a, they do an amazing uh, event, and uh, so because they they they've taken over now. BET is kind of um, went left, mm-hmm. so now um, Brett and Len are doing amazing events, and uh, they're great guys. And um, so, what that had to do with Lola being sold? Uh, well, uh, everyone has pretty much has their events at Lola. Okay, right. So, so, so Lola got sold. So Lola, the new Lola's owner not going. Do the events? It, it's up, it's everybody up, it's up in the air right now. So there's other uh, amazing events. See, this cough talk, y'all. This yeah. this that cough yeah. talk. Yeah. See, yeah. he done went all the way off into a whole nother level of, you know what I mean, of society. Right. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, yeah. now, you know it's going to be a white party and your client is going to be in that general area or right. that. You know that they're going to be there. Right. You're saying that to get ahead of the curve... You could already what? To offer him better service, I already know that there's a that that there's a white party in August. So therefore, I can give him some white options. I can text him and says, "Listen, I can I can text him two or three months prior and say, listen, 'Listen, I'm putting together your clothing for the vineyard.'" Mm-hmm. You see how that works? And then he like, damn, man, you be thinking. Absolutely. But really, I'm in his pockets. I'm in his pockets. That's, that's, see, that's rich nigga shit. See, me, I'd be like, Rrr. <laughs> what was you thinking? Because <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with this shit I got right here. <laughs> right? right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, But now, I want to say something, Ali. You know, say it. If you ratchet. I ain't ratchet. Here's the thing. You at all, you ain't welcome at the vineyard. This, this, this is this is this is this is some sophisticated well, shit right here. Well, see, you well, know, see, see, you, know you talking to the wrong motherfucker, you know man. You talking to the wrong. Let's, now, I ain't ratchet by nobody's stretch of the imagination, but at the same time, I'm not, you know, who whatever, whatever on the other side either. But what I do know about me, you know, Ali can go wherever, yeah, and figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Ali is not extraordinarily popular. Right. But Ali is extraordinarily adaptable. Absolutely. And that's, and, 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 I, and that's all we're asking, right? And when I move in the space, I'm going to yeah. be there. Yeah. I'm just saying, the vineyard ain't for a little show. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, no doubt. For, for, for yeah. what you're doing, that's a, that's you got to do it. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm, 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 I'm a, listen, man. I'm just a kid from the projects, man. 
I'm just a kid from the projects from humble now, beginnings. You can't take it back there now, but we already listen, we already no, already no, over no, the no. edge. I'm a listen, listen, listen. <laughs> I'm a kid from the projects with humble beginnings. Don't really? let this cashmere shit I wear every day fool you. No but, doubt, but we I, already I, on cashmere, man. Right, right. So right, let's right. keep it cashmere. Let's keep it cashmere. Let's keep it cashmere because you done told me I can't come to the venue because I'm ratchet. No, you can't. <laughs> no, you ain't. Listen, don't listen. There, there's listen, some. There's, listen, don't listen. Don't listen. Listen, man. Listen, Ali, we in America deserve, right, to go to a place and listen to some fucking Franklin Beverly and Mays, some Gregory fucking Porter, <laughs> some Alicia, uh, you know, some, uh, 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 what's my girl, uh, damn, um, damn, I can't even think of a name right now, uh, you know, uh, Alicia Keys a little bit too young. You know, we we trying to keep this shit real, real, real. Yeah, real, but you real, know, real, 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 but we want what we want to do really though. Anita Baker, that's what I meant to say. We Anita wanna, Baker, she retired. Layla Hathaway. Anita retired. I well, my my guy seen her last show, so yeah. we, we might bring her back. But what we want to do here in the conversation yeah. is is create a bridge from over there in Kashmir world yeah. to. You know how how do we connect the the cat from the projects that's halfway in between where he from and the land of Kashmir? Here's the thing, and the first word that I thought of, and it may be the wrong word, is respecting protocol. Right, mm-hmm. right. Just because you do something in one community doesn't mean it's acceptable in another community, right? So as long as, you know, it's kind of like this, right? When I was growing up, and um, let's say a young lady or young man walked into the room with a bunch of adults, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he, he'd make acknowledgement. He, he'd acknowledge everybody in the room, mm-hmm. and he sat silent. And he sat silent because what he was doing was he was letting the elders know that he has a level of respect for them. And that he wasn't, he didn't speak until spoken to, mm-hmm. right? So what I mean is that when you go into a different environment, you know, like I'll give a perfect example. I live in, um, you and I both live in Bed-Stuy, right? Stuyvesant Heights. Right. No, I'm right. just playing. Right. Stuyvesant Heights, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. just yeah. bullshit. The property value done went up. I'm just bullshit. We, we in Bed-Stuy. Very, very nice. Continue, right. continue. Right, right. Okay. So now Stuyvesant Heights is being gentrified, right? So now we have people that I'm going to say that are non-African American, right? Right. I'm trying I'm not trying to mess with your sponsorship money, Ali. Come on, man, right. with the conversation. Right, right. Okay. Okay. So they move into the community, right? And every 4th of July, every summer we block off the streets and we have a block party. And we play That's music and we every, play every weekend to be, you know, perfectly right. fair. Every week during the summer, between you know Memorial Day and about the the mid of September, yeah, there's a block party you know on a few different blocks every week. Absolutely. So every block has their block party. Yeah. Every block has their block party. Everybody they brings out a DJ. They bring out stuff for the kids. Everybody gets in their front yard and they and and, and they burn and they burn their chicken. <laughs> and they block the street off. They right. have a great time. It's, it's a historical event Absolutely. that has been going, yeah. and that you know, from my my own um, point of view, right. it 
it retains the culture of the community. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It is is the one thing I think that I could attribute it to. It's one of the reasons that people don't just move out as fast. Absolutely. Because there's such culture and legacy in these communities. And the block party is one of the ways that the people who live in these communities get to express it, see everybody, you know, yes, they're going to barbecue in the street, they're going to do the bouncy house, they're going to have a DJ, but it's their way of, of, okay, welcome to my block. Right. And every block has one. So you can go through the, the whole summer. If you're from Bed-Stuy and you kind of know people throughout the neighborhood, you can go from block to block to block all summer long and kick it every weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Absolutely. Absolutely. No every, every weekend. The whole street is blocked off, right? It's, you know, people plan a whole year, mm-hmm. right? They, they they invite family. They invite friends from work, right? Mm-hmm. But really, it's really a community event, right? right? The Of the people that's from Bed-Stuy, right? right? So back to the point. So these people have been doing this for probably hundreds of years, right? At least 60s. Right. Right. So now I have a guy that comes in and he's from Greece, right? And he bought a brownstone, right? And at nine o'clock, he's like, fucking turn the music off. What the fuck, man? I'm fucking trying to sleep. You gotta fucking work tomorrow. You live on your block? Yeah. I I have Mm. I I, you know, again, it's 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 been gentrified, right? Mm. And I'm like, listen, don't come to somebody else's fucking community, right? You have to understand the complexity of this community, and you have to understand that these people have been doing this, as Ali said, 60 years, 60 to 100 years. This is what they've been doing. So don't come and bring your own mindset of how you think things that should be done when these people have, have been doing it. And that's, what I, and that's what I mean about the venue. You can't come there sagging your fucking pants. You, you're not fucking welcome. Right. Just, just real talk. You got to understand the protocol. But with, with dude, right, with the Greek dude, right? Right. The thing about it is, he could cry, he yeah. could complain, yeah. but the, the thing about it is that that shit is gonna happen. Absolutely, and and he just that's that's the breaking point. That's like right. you know, most times you can, you know, you could come into a community and call the police and all that right. shit, but it don't really work like that. It don't work like that. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's one thing that 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 I'm really proud about. Best is that, you know, it's not one of those. Easy takeovers. It's like you you say gentrified, but really, you know what I mean. It's still holding tight, right? You Absolutely. Know, my block is probably eighty percent of the same people who was on my block when I moved on my yeah. block thirteen years ago. Yeah. Um, and when new people come into the community, what happens is, you know, the community is our best. I had already had its own culture, its own yeah. you know way of doing things, its own um, its own pride. Very proud. So when when newcomers come in, you know, you'll meet them and at first they be on their own, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, I'm going to try to push everything into my direction, but it don't work. So what happens is most people end up blending into what's already happening. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The guy you met, you know, five years ago that moved in thinking it was going to be a takeover now is, you know, giving you the black man dap and hug, you know right, what I mean? And, right. and and is at the block party and contributing to the block party in a way that he already knows, okay, this is how it goes down, this is what I'm going to do. Right. So <clears throat> that's that's one thing about Brooklyn that 
that uh, at least in best style that I really appreciate. I do too. I do too. I, I really appreciate it. You know, uh, both of us travel a lot when we go all over the world, right? right. There's nothing better than meeting a, 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 a different people and, and experiencing their culture and understanding of how they do things and why they do it. That's so fascinating to me. Right. You know what I mean? So, absolutely. So, but anyway, so Ali took me, it took 20 minutes to get back to this point. Don't be bringing your ratchet ass. To the venue, but nobody said they was bringing their ratchetness to the venue. I'm just trying to say this, man. I'm just saying I'm nobody just to say nobody assumed I'm, that they was coming to the I'm, venue I'm to be ratchet. I'm just trying to say Who, this. Are you talking to me? Nah, listen. Are man. you saying that Ali will come to the vineyard and sully the environment? Absolutely not. I okay. I, I know you a man so, of so of, I don't of, understand of, of distinction. You gentleman and a scholar. I don't even understand how we even had yeah. to go there. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm almost disrespected and, uh, and appalled <laughs> that you even thought to take it there in regards to me and moi. Matt, do you, do, you, do you think that Ali Muhammad would go and sully the environment? I think you make any environment better. Exactly. Yeah. But do you know I'm, the, you know, I'm not extraordinarily popular? You're very popular. But what I am, you know, what people do understand that I have an energy of upness, you understand, and yeah. and that that is created yeah. here by my peers have have deemed that you know Ali Muhammad yeah. will flow in the energy of upness, yeah. and that's what I would do. So I wouldn't un- assume that I would come to the vineyard and sully it up. Is that your opinion of me? Absolutely not. Absolutely, <laughs> ab- absolutely not. You, okay. you you came right. to my home. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Ali, I, I'm, I'm just listening. You know, it, it it really it really warmed my heart. I actually texted my wife about this, and we had a long conversation about. Well, what did you text your wife about? Right. right. You know, um, we had a meeting. Uh, Ali told me he was going to come to my house. Uh, world about nine uh, thirty a.m. this morning. Now Ali's an artist, so I know that means nine forty-five. So I, I really don't appreciate right. the level of disrespect <laughs> yeah, right. that you come on my show and bring. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> this right. is a totally uh, outrage. Right. Right. <laughs> Security? So, well, <laughs> get this. <laughs> so, so world, listen to this. So, he shows up about nine forty-five, right? It, and I knew, right? I I woke up late. I was at the Stanford Cigar Lounge, John John Stark's uh, Cigar Lounge in Stanford, Connecticut. And I got like two, three hours sleep, and but I knew I had another fifteen minutes because I knew Ali was gonna get there at nine forty-five, right? So, but here's the thing, right? Which I give this guy so much credit for. He shows up at nine forty-five, right? You know, yeah, I don't think it was. No, my doorbell don't work, right? I'm gonna tell you, I'm exactly bougie, but I'm not rich, right? Okay. It was nine thirty-eight, motherfucker. Nine thirty, okay, right, 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 right. right. <laughs> you on so, my show line and so shit. So he shows up, right? And this is what he does. I want you listen. I want you to listen to every word. I'm I'm listening. Right? So he takes off these dirty ass sneakers. Damn. Before he goes into my home, he puts them to the side. And I was like, my nigga. Nigga. <laughs> he understands this shit. He understands how this shit works. He takes off his sneakers. He walks into my home barefooted. And I'm like, no, he had on socks and they were very, very clean. Because he's he's a good dude, right? So but just the just the fact that he thought of me this much that he would take off his shoes to come into my home. He came into my he came into my castle, right? Cause I'm a king, right? I got a king and a queen 
and a princess, right? <laughs> so he came into my home. He took off his sneakers. He left them in the doorway. And see, that's what, and that's what I'm saying, right? He understands protocol, right? He understands he came into Terry Corbett's castle. And he took off his shoes. And he walks in, right? And here's the best thing, right? He didn't ask me to use the bathroom. He didn't ask me for no glass of water. He didn't ask me for no coffee. He was like, hey, man, I love you, man. I'm just here to, I'm just here to support, man. Can't, you can't make this shit up, man. So, again, I don't understand why the level of disrespect has to be so high thinking that I would come. I didn't even ask to come to the venue. So, <laughs> so I don't even know how I got involved with Sully in the venue's name. But anyway, <laughs> Mr. Corbett. Yeah. What up, man? So, yeah, so I had a meeting with Mr. Corbett this morning. Absolutely. He was going to um, design and create a custom, what do you call it, top coat? Uh, it, it's called a top coat. It's what you wear in the wintertime that's over your clothing that's actually, uh, it keeps you warm. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a tailored piece. Right, the very tailored. Very you know, tailored and I ain't, I ain't had no tailored piece since the eighties. Right, right, right. And um, and you know, and here's the thing, right? I'm from St. Petersburg, Florida, right? And um, growing up, I've always had an appreciation from people that are from the bottom. <laughs> and that means Miami. Cause, Listen, because when you talk about Florida, look, this, this there's is, the bottom, right. and then there's the rest of Florida. Right, right, right. So. Miami is the bottom. It's the bottom. Right. If you, you you have to have listened to Luke Skywalker first album to understand. We call we call we call Miami, right? In certain places we call it the bottom, right? right? It's the bottom of Florida, right? No doubt. And and you know, when you when you think about, you know, the news stories that come out of Florida and you know, Florida man this and yeah. you know, Florida woman did that. That's mostly outside of Miami. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Miami is Miami, and then right. the rest of Florida is another country. Yeah, it's that, like it's another country, a different country. Yeah, but uh, <clears throat> I, oh, I I have a very very funny story to tell you guys. If I can get it in before this, uh, before we go out. No, I mean we here, well, man. We at, we, we at forty-four we, we, minutes, right? We okay. we are here. Right. You why you worry about the time? All right. So here's the thing, right? So this is probably the funniest shit that's ever happened to me, right? So here's the thing, right? So uh, I have a bit of ADD, right? Especially when, especially when um, I drink water. So here's the thing. So I had made clothing for a group that uh, Rico produced and Ray and Sleepy Brown produced called uh, Mister. They had a they had a smash hit called Blackberry Molasses. Mm-hmm. Now here's the backstory, right? I'm gonna tell you the backstory first, right? I'm sitting at the dungeon with Rico Wade, right? Now, Rico is in between uh, deals with uh, LaFace Records, right? So, Sylvia Rohn is pitching him and uh, Jimmy Iovine, who he eventually ended up signing with, right? Mm-hmm. Is pitching him and LA is pitching him, right? So, in this song, Blackberry, Blackberry Molasses, the biggest star in the world at that point. It's George Michael. Mm-hmm. Rico played me a voice recording of George Michael saying, yo, man, I need this song, bro. I need this song, bro. Blackberry Molasses. George bro. Michael said, bro. Yeah. 
Well, well, he didn't say bro. I know. But I mean, but the sentiment was bro. Absolutely. No doubt. He, he needed a song. He needed He needed, he needed song, this right? record. Right. Now, here's the thing. Most people don't understand. Rico was 24, 25 years old at the time. You don't understand. Nine Inch Nails is calling. George Michaels is calling. Um, what's your boy uh, from England? Um, oh, uh, oh, man. Phil boy. Collins is calling. Right. Right. The biggest stars in the world are calling Rico's phone. Mm-hmm. And he's still at the dungeon living with his moms. So you got to understand something. Of, of the gravity of this. But anyway, to this day, I love this dude, man. Yeah, so, but... So let me th- explain the story, right? Right. So, uh, so I make these suits for Mr. I do their album, right? Blackberry Molasses, right. Mr. Light blue suits, right? Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, Groovy Lou bit me on Big's album when he did the light blue suit because he saw what I did for Mr., right? Mm-hmm. So, um, Rico Wade, Shouts. now this is about 90, I want to say 95, 96, right? Mm-hmm. So, we're coming up to, uh, so Rico said, yo, man, uh, hey, man, hey, hey, vibe, vibe, vibe having a party, man. Hey, they having it in New York, man. You, you got to come. So, mm-hmm. Rico, don't kill me, man, but that's really how you talk, bro. <laughs> but go ahead, man. Right, right. So, I come to New York City, right? Now, mind you. I'm a young dude. I'm like 22, 23 at the time, right? Young dude, right? right. Young dude, right? I just, I just, just so happens that whatever it is, the creator, the, the creator touched me, and I was just doing some fly shit, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody had did kids 15 years old with light blue suits, white shirts. And this was for shoes. their album or their video? Album cover. Look it up album right now. Cover. Look I'm, it up, look I'm it looking up. at it right look, now. Look it light up right blue now. suits. Light blue suits, right? Mm-hmm. So, and blue couches, right? So, absolutely right. So uh, this dude named Eric, he's the manager, but it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Don't even listen to it. So <laughs> good dude, but it's irrelevant. So here's the thing, right? So I'm up at Vibe Party, right? This is when they, when Vibe was, was vibe. real shit. Right. Real shit, right? right? This is when Quincy was behind it. Top like I'm talking about chain. like top of the food chain shit. Like mm-hmm. all, the other sh- all the other magazines is bullshit compared to Vibe when they first launched. Don't get it twisted. The content was amazing, right? Mm-hmm. They had us looking like kings and queens, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, no, we, we weren't no little bees and little shooks, right? We was doing high-end shit. Right. right. So, so here's the thing, right? So I get to this vibe party, right? And um, it's a bit overwhelming for me, right? bit overwhelming because, again, I had just, You from St. Pete. Right. I, I'm basically a novice. I just learned to sew maybe a couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm downstairs. Now, the VIP is upstairs. Mm-hmm. This is where all the big hitters at, right? But again, when you don't necessarily feel that confident about yourself, you carve your own space. Right. So I'm downstairs. I'm ordering drinks, right? I'm Gucci, right? Right. Now, white America, that means I'm cool, right? So I'm Gucci, right? So here's I, the thing, right? Right. So Rico comes from downstairs, all animated. Rico from Organized Noise, right? Hey, man. Hey, man, Quincy Jones want to meet you, man. He loved them suits you did for, for Mr. I say, oh, shit, really? Now I'm 23, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I'll be upstairs, man. Now, here's the thing, Ali. There's no fucking way I'm going upstairs. This is fucking Quincy Jones, man. This is this is the, the, the greatest producer in the history. So why is it no way that no, you're going no upstairs? No fucking way. You that, scared? I was scared of the motherfucker. What you scared of? You um, already did the work. No, 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 no. See, no. America, no. this is what you don't do. I was do. scared. Don't be scared of the work that I you already scared. did based on 
You know what I'm saying? If was, motherfucker calling you about some shit you already did, yeah. it ain't like you, you asking yeah. you to do some shit you ain't never did or never seen. This about some shit you done. Yeah. Well, before that, it was uh, Dr. J, and uh, we met his son. Uh, I forget his name, but he was at uh, Morehouse, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't meet Dr. J, right? You didn't want to meet him either. I didn't want to meet him either. Right? You were scared. Scared of the motherfucker. I, I'm, I'm going to admit it right now, uh, being a grown-ass man, I was scared. The moment was... I thought it was too much for me. Mm-hmm. But all young people, take that shit. Take that shit. Don't be scared. Take that shit. Don't be scared. Make it happen. Don't Even if scared. you fail, you learn from failure. And, and, and you most, only fail if you don't learn from failure. Right, because most times you ain't going to fail. Right. And see, you know what I'm saying? You go, you take the opportunity. So you you were scared. You didn't go sequencing. Right. No. And then what happened? Hold on a second. Hold on. What's, your, what's your boy name right here? That's Matt. Matt, you not listening to this shit? Matt, you don't even seem fucking interested, man. Matt, this is a great, you, great... Matt, listen to this shit, bro. Why are you messing with Matt? Matt, listen... Ali, listen to this shit. Tell the story. So here's the thing, right? So Rico comes downstairs. He said, hey, man, Quincy want to meet you, man. I'm like, all right, I'll be up in a minute. Now, here's the thing, Ali. There's no fucking way I'm going upstairs to meet Quincy Jones. Quincy fucking... Quincy Jones? Quincy Jones? Bro, that's like... The, that's like... That's like the music... Equivalent to fucking Martin Luther King. Right. Right? No way, right? So I say, yo, I'm coming up. Now, here's the thing, Ali. I'm straight full of shit. 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes pass by. Rico comes down and says, hey, man. Hey, hey, I told you, man. You know, Quincy want to meet you, man. He like them suits you did for Mr. I said, I'd be right up. Right? I'm talking shit, right? Right? To other people that's around me, whatever, whatever. But in my mind, in the back in, in the back of my mind, I'm like, yo, I cannot meet. Pardon me, I know y'all, a lot of y'all are Christian out here. God. Imagine how it is for you to meet God. That's how I felt about Quincy, right? Especially after reading his biography, a biography, right? So Rico comes downstairs again about 30 minutes. Now Rico, fucking pissed off at me, right? He's like, yo, you making me look bad, basically. Hey man, I told you, man, come up with me right now, man. Quincy, Quincy, wait for you, man. So, so I said, fuck, man, I gotta go meet Quincy, right? I'm thinking to myself, right? I don't say Rico, right? But I'm 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 looking, I'm looking like I got like I'm the fucking most popping dude in the world, right? So I go upstairs, right? Pardon me, Quincy. I love you, man. And I love you to beyond, beyond death, right? So pardon me this, right? Quincy is drunker than any person I've ever seen in my fucking life. He's talking about four or five people, right? He's drunk. He's drunk as fuck. You getting this, Matt? He's drunk. Ali, you getting this shit? He's drunk as fuck, right? So here's the thing, right? So I'm sitting there waiting my turn while Quincy finishes his conversation, right? And his wife, uh, I, f- I forget her name, right? Some people say Peggy Noonan. I don't remember. Right. Peggy but, Lipton at that time? Yeah, there you go. Lipton, right. Lipton, Noonan, same shit, right. So, here's the thing, right. So, he's speaking, and at this point in time, after the amount of drinks that, or the amount of alcohol that he's had in his system, um, it's not really decipherable what he's saying, <laughs> right. So, she grabs his arm while he's speaking, and he's like, uh, all right, all right. She's like, come on, Quincy, let's go. She grabs his arm. He's like, all right, all right. So he begins to speak. Well, he, he's trying to speak. Can you imagine drinking probably 50, uh, 50 uh, Tiger Bombs? 
you can't really get a word out, right? So this is how fucked up Quincy is, right? And I'm standing there as a 23-year-old young man, right? And I'm looking at my idol. And I don't feel no way. I don't feel no way about it because I understand we got to get nice sometimes. We, you know, we, we, you know, we got to get toasted, right? Because sometimes life is just that good that we just got to get toasted, right? Right. So uh, he begins to speak more, and uh, she grabs his arm again in mid sentence, and uh, he pulls away. It's all right, all right, I hear, I hear, I hear. All right, we 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 get ready, we 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 get ready to go, right? So um, he begins to speak more. Then he introduces, then he trying to introduce himself to me, right? Pretty much how I'm slurring my words now. I've, I've been drinking. Ali was late today, so I've been drinking since he got here, right? Before he got here. So he's, I can't understand a fucking word he's saying. I'm not making this up, Ali. I can't understand a word he's fucking saying. And this is my idol. And you know what? I still felt no way about it. I was like, God damn, my idol drunk, but God damn, I'm riding with him, Ali. I'm riding with him, right? So he's trying to he's trying to introduce himself to me and asking me for my business card, which I'm not going to give him because I'm 23, and I don't believe in myself at the time, Ali. So she grabs his arm, and lo and behold, it pisses him off. He's like, God damn it, bitch! Don't be grabbing on me! I wrote Thriller! <laughs> In his most drunken state, where he don't understand where the fuck he's from, or his name, or where he's at, he understands. I wrote the greatest, uh, the greatest selling album in the history of the world. I wrote Thriller. <laughs> That's a funniest fucking story. Rico and I used to laugh this shit for, for a whole fucking year. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, he was like, all right, all right yeah, let's, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I was like, thank God I don't have to let Quincy down. Can we pause? <laughs> <laughs> Nigga, we can't disrespect Quincy on my show. Oh, I love Quincy. What the fuck is wrong with you? I love Quincy. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something, uh, Ali. And for all the fans out there that's been following uh, Ali, um, I'm going to tell you something. If you don't read any other biography, please read Quincy. This man is, he's so special to every human being of what he's went through. And, uh, and sometimes because of the road that we travel, we may need a little something to help medicate us, to get us, to get us by. And so at this, so I didn't feel no way, right? Really, understand something. I didn't feel any way because I understand that we're all human beings. We're all battling and facing things that we feel that either are equivalent to us or greater than us. Right. So I didn't feel no way about that, you know? Go ahead. Sorry. So... Tell us about the work that you do now. Oh, well, here's the thing, right? So I, I do a multifaceted of things right now. Um, so my daughter, my wife, and, and, and myself, our daughter Riley was diagnosed with autism uh, 10 years ago. She just had a 10, um, she, just, she, she was just uh, 
had a birthday uh, September 5th. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was thinking about how I can help other parents and other families um, help um, kids like my daughter. Because I never want anybody to feel like I feel. Right. Um, you know, I tell people all the time, I'll never be happy a day I walk on this planet. Hopefully I'll smile when I'm when I'm gone. But um, as a parent, to have a, a child with autism and I've never had a conversation with my child and she's ten years old, you can you can't imagine of how that would of how that would affect me. And so I created a organic detergent, a plant based detergent out of Auburn Hill out of uh, Auburn Hills, Michigan, right? May here in America. And um, and this ter- detergent, a large part of the proceeds give back to the autism community because I know how I feel, mm-hmm. and I want to help other parents out there, no matter the race, creed, or color. Because when every parent look at their child, they want to make sure they're okay. So um, I created the, I created a purpose detergent. So why 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 did you go with a detergent? Um, it was very simple. I was sitting at the I was sitting at the kitchen table with my daughter. And um, because of her her, her disability, uh, we had this probably. I asked my wife. I said, um, "I said, Audrey, I said, uh, how many times do we wash clothes?" This? She said, "This is our third time washing clothes." I said, "Wow!" And I said to her, "I said, um, third time?" She says, "Yeah, right." So I thought to myself, of how many people, have, you know, uh, what could I, what platform could I put forth? That, whether it's 100 years from now, 200 years from now, that that people will, won't move on from, that there's no technology that would basically replace it, right? So my thing was is that if I can create a revenue model from detergent, right, when I'm 100 years gone, I can still be helping um, parents, uh, and children and communities all over the world from creating this detergent that's giving a large part of the pro- uh, of the uh, proceeds back to children with autism. Right. So, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so you you do the custom tailoring. Yeah. You do the the uh, detergent, which you know, <clears throat> yeah. you know, in in a way that I never really thought of. Kind of is still related business. Right. You know. Right. Well, you know, the thing about it is that I was working I was working under detergent in my kitchen for about two years. And um and when that when I'm sitting at the kitchen table, you know, with my daughter Riley, that brought it on all home as to why I was spending so much time blending I had a lab in, in, in my kitchen at my home. Mm-hmm. I had been blending for two years. And why I why I was so adamant about that? I didn't realize what I was doing at the time, but I guess the the I call him the all the creator right. had um, channeled me into doing that. So. No doubt. Yeah. So with the uh, the custom tailoring, right? Uh-huh. Tell us about that process. You know, a lot of <clears throat> a lot of guys like myself, <clears throat> I haven't had any suits cut for me, you know, right? Or coats cut for me like you're doing for me now. Right. Um, tell us about the process and and, and why, it's, why you think it's important that guys, you know, get clothes to, to fit. Well, here's the thing, right? And I tell clients this all the time. 
Now, mind you, I deal with a lot of hedge fund guys here on Park Avenue and Madison Avenue, some of the most wealthiest guys in the world. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. They're just like you. Right. Most of these guys come from nothing. Mm-hmm. They just ended up hitting the lottery gene, meaning that they have a they were born with an extraordinarily high IQ. Mm-hmm. But they mom, they mom and their father probably couldn't roll up two nickels together the same way our our people has, right? Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, right? So I tell guys all the time, you know, everything we do in the world right now is tribal, right? You know, whether people want to admit it or not. Hopefully, within the next thousand years, or two thousand years, or five thousand, or ten thousand years. We won't be so tribal, but the whole world is tribal. Mm-hmm. You, have, you know, you have your Dominicans, you have your Puerto Ricans, you have your Irish, you have your you right. have your Indians, you have your Africans, you have your Chinese. Everyone is all section off, right? So here's the thing. The thing is this, right? So when you are competing in a global market, can you afford? the circumstance of not being fully prepared, right? So and I'll put it from this perspective, Ali. So when I sit in some of the most, some of the most elite rooms in the world, mm-hmm. right, here's the thing. Most elite people, kids go to school together. Mm-hmm. Most elite people buy the same watches. Or they drink the wine, or they drink the same wine, or drink the same scotch, or maybe they drink, or the, or or maybe they drive the same car, or maybe they live in, or maybe they bought homes in the same neighborhood, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all very, it's all very uh, cliquish, right? Right. So what I'm saying is that if that is, if that is consistent with what your reality is, then I'm going to ask you the question: If do you want to risk your matriculation in terms of moving forward in life? Because you're sitting across, you're sitting across from the table from an alpha man or a Q or I don't, I don't know about this world. It's alpha Q or Kappa, right? What about the white people, right? Or I don't. I don't know. They're closing the associations. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm. I'm. As I said before, I'm from the projects of Bethel Heights and St. Petersburg, Florida. Right. So you're sitting across from a, a, a man of power. Right. You're sitting across from a man of power, and he has a hundred deals come across the table, come across his table every day. Mm-hmm. He can choose from whomever. Mm-hmm. What he's looking for is someone that understands his lifestyle and the, and he's looking for someone that will represent what not only what he stands for and what his company stands for. So right. here's the thing, right? Here's the thing, right? So Ali, if I'm sitting in front of let's say for example um what's your boy Jamie Dimon. Now, I'm not saying this is the case, but I'm just I just want to give you an I just want to give you guys Who that? uh Jamie Guy, Jamie Dimon is the CEO of of JP Morgan. Right? Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's say, for example, Jamie Dimon buys Savile Row. Savile Row is the is 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 basically the brainchild for bespoke clothing in the world, mm-hmm. and everything came from Savile Row. Mm-hmm. Let's say, for example, Jamie Dimon. And you know, all this time I thought it was Savile Row. 
no, but salary roll. Right. But but continue. Right, right. And there's probably people out there that, right. that feel me. Right. And, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Hey, tomato, tomato. It all tastes the same. Right. All right. Depending upon. So he his, buys it. Right. Then right, what? Right. So here's the thing, right? So if you're Jamie Diamond, right? Or let's say you're L.A. Reed. Or let's say you're Puffy, right? Let's say you're Puffy, right? Right. I don't. I don't fuck about the P Diddy Puffy, right? Let's say you. Let's let's say you P Diddy, right? And you sitting in front of P Diddy and you pitching P Diddy, um, an opportunity that you believe, or 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 maybe you want the job, right? Mm-hmm. And P Diddy is like, you know what? Unfortunately, and this is for me, because I hate saying this shit. Because you guys don't, no one really knows um, a very successful African American brand. So I'm gonna have to use a a brand that's not African American. Tom Ford, mm-hmm. right? So Diddy only wears Tom Ford, right? And you wore Brooks Brothers, mm-hmm. or you wore J. Crew, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. There is nothing wrong than than uh, I would say spending uh, than I would say patronizing the business of where your salary level is at. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. Right. But here's where the shit separates, right? Because we're all tribal. So Diddy is wearing Tom Ford. You're wearing you're you're wearing J. Crew, mm-hmm. right? On a subliminal standpoint, he's looking at the buttonholes while you're pitching him on your jacket, right? Right? Oh, he's looking at lapel, and he's like, and he's thinking in his mind, the conversation is decent, but I don't know if this guy is my kind of people, right? Mm-hmm. But I can I can fucking guarantee you. If you're wearing fucking Tom Ford and Diddy's wearing fucking Tom Ford, or if you're wearing something that's similar to Tom Ford, not even Tom Ford, but something similar and the buttonholes looks the same, Diddy's going to say to you, you know what? Damn. Now, mind you, a hundred deals come across his table every day. Don't get it twisted. This this is not the other world. A hundred great deals come across his table every day. The man's worth a damn near billion dollars, mm-hmm. right? So he can pick and choose what deal... That he wants to go with. But he's looking for someone that he relates to. So what I ask my clients is, right, do you want to be the one, right, that's going to wear Brooks Brothers' suit when he's wearing Tom Ford? Because at the end of the day, what most of this shit boils down to is my kids go to this, go to, go to this boarding school or private school. Mm-hmm. I graduated from this alma mater. I'm this Kappa Q or whatever. This is this is where I summer. This is my boat. I only wear Patek Philippe's. Mm-hmm. I only wear um, bright. Uh, uh, what's that? What's that cheap shit called? Brightly. Mm-hmm. Bright. Brightly. I only wear Brightly. Right. At the end of the day, you need to be able to have something that you can communicate this guy to say, "Yo, I'm your kind of people," and that's when they trust you. And it, it and 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 at the end of the day, that's how the world runs, bro. Mm-hmm. That's how the world runs. So that's what we have to understand is that in order for you to close these deals, you have to find something in common. Very very important story. <clears throat> but before you get to the story, so you're saying the something in common in your world is the clothes that you make. And you make the shit in a way that can speak the language of the motherfuckers that you're talking about. Absolutely. Right. <clears throat> Absolutely. So I'll, I'll give an example, right? Um, Wharton, Wharton Business School, mm-hmm. right? Wharton Business School. They 
rec- highly recommend that if you're going to go to their business school, which is one of the top business schools in the world. Am I right, Ali? I, I, didn't, I, I didn't go to college. I'm sorry. I didn't go to business school. Okay. All right. So Wharton, Wharton is one of the top business Matt schools. Matt says yes. It's where allegedly Donald Trump <laughs> said he, say he, say he graduated from, but he don't know the fucking budget. Anyway. Right. Sorry. That's a shout at Trump, mm-hmm. and, and I don't apologize. Right. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. I'm sorry. I lost my point. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> I lost my point. I'm sorry. I lost my point. I mean. Oh, oh, oh. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm talking about in terms of uh, a relationship to the world is very tribal. Right. Okay. So Wharton Business School recommends, right? Let's say you're from, let's say you're this Jewish kid, right? That grew up in, what's the most Jewish area in America? I'm, 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 I don't know. All I know is Williamsburg, right. okay. New York City. Okay, okay. We, we're going to say Williamsburg, New York City, right? They would recommend that you learn about NASCAR, and you learn everything there is to know about NASCAR because it's, it's completely opposite of your lifestyle. You know why? Because in America, most of the big business is done in middle America. No doubt. Soybean, that's corn, where most oil. most of the people are. Right? They're looking at they're 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 watching Duck Dynasty. They're watching they're watching uh, fucking NASCAR. They know every NASCAR driver. So if you're this Jewish guy, right, who has an opportunity to meet some middle American guy and speak about NASCAR in depthly, guess what? There's a certain communication. Now you cross that line, and it's no different than the suit that he's that suit that's Puffy's wearing and the suit that you wearing. The suit that. So, so now, does that Jewish kid have to have on Tom Ford? No, he does not have to talk, have on Tom Ford. I'm only giving you an analogy, right? Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is, is that you have to have something in common. The world is tribal. So mm-hmm. if if you're if 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 Sean Combs is wearing. Tom Ford, and you're wearing something. Let's say, for example, Suit Supply. That's a that that is has certain characteristics of Tom Ford. Mm-hmm. Then he may ask you, "Hey, man, that's pretty interesting. What you have on? What do you get that? Right? Because it's not just about business. It's about beyond business. So if you're a Jewish guy from Williamsburg, right, mm-hmm. and you learn about NASCAR, and you talking to some guy about from Iowa who loves NASCAR, Mm -hmm. you guys have something in common because you know more, you have a relationship with his culture, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's all tribal. And that's what I'm saying. Like, that's very, very important. We must begin to reach outside of our communities and learn other cultures, other languages, other customs, Mm -hmm. right? Because it gives us an opportunity to bond with other people. Because at the end of the day, man, I can I'm going to the cigar lounge tonight. And mm-hmm. I'm and I'm gonna And what you gonna do there? I'm gonna smoke cigars and probably drink some uh expensive scotch. But that's just me. And right? why the cigar bar? Because I, I smoke five cigars a day. It's it's a habit. But why cigars? Uh it's a, it's a way for me to decompress. And That's it's, it? a, it's a way for me to 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 think about not only uh, yesterday but today. But and you tomorrow. could do that at home with a cigar. No. So, so why would you do no, it no, at no. a cigar bar? No. I'm gonna tell you something. My wife from Decatur, Georgia, she's not allowing me to smoke in her home. 
She'll fuck me yeah, up. You got a backyard? No. It's too cold outside. It's New York City right now. It's 30 degrees in America. But tell me about the culture of cigar bars and why you deem it important to, to your day to day. I would say, at the end of the day, cigar bars are not important at all. It's about who you smoke the cigars with. Like my brother here, Ali, Ali don't smoke cigars. Mm-mm. But if Ali were to smoke a cigar with me, it would probably enhance my life so greatly because he's a very highly intelligent person. He's, he's worldly, he's roundly. And that I tell people all the time, as I said in Cigar Quest, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily where you smoke, it's who you smoke with. Right. right? And that's and the cigar bars can help you curate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us about that. Absolutely. So here's the thing, right? So most of a lot of the guys at cigar bars is, is, is lonely and can't get no pussy. I'm I'm just gonna just keep, keep it real with you. Yeah, right? why you dissing everybody? You fucking <laughs> shit. I'm just I'm just being real with Shots you. Shots fired right? across the board, <laughs> right? Like, can you? T- right. So, so you hang out with these no pussy getting ass motherfuckers. They ain't getting no pussy, in America. I'm, so, I'm just trying. So to I'll okay. eat it. it's not, they ain't getting pussy, right? So a lot of these guys not getting pussy, right? But here's the thing, though, right? But outside of not getting pussy, right? If you can't get no pussy, you have a lot of time to learn about all this other shit that's going on in the world, bro. <laughs> Do you know how smart these motherfuckers are at the fucking cigar lounge, bro? That I smoke with, bro? I can have a guy fucking tell me about Pushkin. <laughs> tell me about every fucking cl- uh, uh, classical uh, uh, jazz great, mm-hmm. right? So you have a, I love this word, plethora. A plethora of conversations and a plethora of gentlemen from all different walks of life that can that have the opportunity because they have number fucking time on their hands, right? Mm-hmm. Of where they can uh, 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 expound upon every subject that comes to life. You know, when I leave here tonight, bro, trust me, we're gonna talk about this fucking Alabama and uh, what's they Clemson. Dick mm-hmm. Saban got his ass out, coach. But we gonna, I'm going to understand why. Let me see. We've been speaking an hour and 15 minutes. Man, don't, don't worry about how we've been He got me fucking late, right? So I'm going to go to the Cigar Lounge. I'm going to put in my Uber, and I'll be there within 15 minutes. And when we're 17 minutes, right, I'm going to learn from nothing but fucking geniuses that have nothing but time on their hands because they ain't doing nothing else with their hands, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they're doing a lot of shit with their hands, but... <laughs> You get the point, right? I don't get, you the, get the point. point right? I don't. Really. So they're gonna tell me, and they're gonna break down every play, play by play, of why Alabama got their ass whooped. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Now I think it's because Saban got out coached. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, it's beyond that, and these guys know. So that's why I go to cigar lounges, right? I love to meet people from all across the world, who, um, hopefully they're in a good mood. And they're telling you about their life. Hopefully you're in a good mood. I'm in a fucking fantastic mood. I can't tell. I'm awesome. <laughs> I'm awesome. Damn it. I got one beer on my side of the table and you got three cans open on your side of the table. I mean, the people really don't really care about how many beers I drink because they hit me every week. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. I noticed you like IPAs. Why you but, like but, lagers, man? But you, you can't. You, you never order lager when we've been together. I love lagers, man. Really? Yeah, I love lagers. Nice, bro. nice, nice. Yeah. I mean, I don't strictly like IPAs. I yeah. just, yeah. you know, I, I'm I'm a creature of uh, familiarity, and I like what I like, and that's that. So here's the thing. Here's the thing, America. I'm gonna take you back, right? 
When I was in high school, because Ali's about the same age as me. Don't get this twisted, right? Not really. So now, here's the thing, right? <laughs> he was drinking Mickey's and St. Ives. Never. I was on Bottles and James and shit. I was on some sexy shit back then. No doubt. And, back you, in and, the you, and see, the thing yeah. is, is that this is, this is why this is a conversation. <laughs> see, the thing is, is I brought a fancy motherfucker to my table. <laughs> And the, fancy, and the fancy, the mother, and the I'm fancy the motherfucker, told me that when you go into a place, you have to respect it and the, respect the protocol yeah. and all that shit. Yeah. But then the fancy motherfucker commences to, you know, poo pooing all over my protocol. No, I don't poo poo, man. I, I've been poo pooed upon. It's all respect. I love. I love. <laughs> you man. know what I'm saying? I love, man. So what I'm, what I, what I, what I like to stress is that on. You know what we what we like to do here in this space is to find the common ground. Right, right. right. You know what I'm saying? A little bit of where you from, right. a little bit of where we from, right. a little bit of where I'm from, and we spread it around so everybody can learn about these different places, and then they can make their own decisions. You know about how to move in a room full of vultures. You understand? Because they're gonna end Jay-Z, up in yeah, yeah they're gonna end up in the same room that you end up in. You know what I'm saying? They're gonna end up at the venue and then they gotta figure out how to move. So that's why I was saying let's let's create the bridge, right? Yeah. And and that's 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 pretty much you know how 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 it goes. And that's why we have these conversations so, Here's so, the thing. so people can understand. Here's the thing. I, I really don't want this to get uh, misconstrued, right? Or great word, discombobulated, right? Because Ali got you got you guys thinking that I'm on some other shit, I'm, I'm high end. Listen, I'm from the projects, man. I'm from Delta Heights. If we, I ain't Florida, did shit. Right? You said all, you right? did all the talk. Listen, man, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you something, man. If you come to Bedford Stuyvesant, he's in Stuyvesant Heights. I'm in Bedford Stuyvesant. It's, it's, it's different. It's only a block away, but it's, it's it's quite different, right? If you come to Bedford Stuyvesant, right now, I'm gonna say maybe second week of May. We're looking at about 70 degrees. You'll see a guy with a three-piece suit smoking a Cuban cigar, having a glass of wine on his stoop, right? Yep. And everybody that walks by will say, what's up, Bespoke, right? No doubt. Now, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about, you know, killers. I'm talking about common, common. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. talking about the rough, the rough, and the best of the best, right? right? Everybody know, yo, this dude right here, Bespoke, Terry Corbett, he speak to everybody and he give them love. Right. And you know what? You need a sandwich? I got five dollars on it. I got three bucks right, on right, it. Right? right. Like, because I'm really, I'm a man of the people. Man. But that's what I wanted you to talk about. Do you know that's what, did, but that's what did you, you know that's, that, that's 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 what it is. Did you know that Shirley Chisholm, Shirley Chisholm, unbossed and unbought, was on my block, bro? Shirley Chisholm, bro. I feel you. Bro. Bro, so I'm speaking through greatness right here, man. I'm I'm channeling this right here, man. You you got these guys out. You got these you got these uh, uh uh people out here thinking that I'm on some other shit, man. Listen, just because I like cashmere don't mean that I'm not cash money, man. <laughs> I'm about the people, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Terry Corbett, man of the people. Man of the people, baby. Uh. Uh, Atelier, bespoke. Yeah. Uh, tailor. There you go. Custom made. There you go. You know what I'm saying? There you go. Tell the people where you're going to be. <laughs> Yo, uh, within. Well, where they can find you. Within uh, 15 minutes. Tonight is Tuesday, New York City. 
Upper East Side, 73rd Street, 334 73rd Street between 1st and 2nd. Five door, I'm sorry, three doors in is Cassidy Money Crystal Cigar Lounge. I would be there. I've having been there. No, you haven't. I have. No, you haven't. I have been there. When I, first, when I first moved to New York, I had my pants sagging to my knees. Yeah. And my the guy who hired me at Vine Magazine took me there. They had a box, yeah. you know what I'm saying? He he, Star Jones was there. She had a box. Star Jones. Yep. Okay. At All the right. time, yeah. and um, and I was at the Monte Cristo. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah you, what you, year was you, that? You're dismissing me, but what, what year this was, was that? 1999. This was the first place of fly. That oh yeah. I, I entered. Yeah. There you go. You understand me? You're right. You're right. You're so, right. You know what I mean, you you could say you right. could discount me. I know you there today, right. and I haven't been back since. Yeah. I don't have a box or none of that. But say, that was the place that I, that's that's when I arrived in New York. You said, "Are you fucking up my story?" I listen. That ain't it wasn't a story. You was just telling the people where you was gonna be. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, America. What I time, was just trying to make. A, what time you got, man? I was supposed to be in at seven o'clock, man. Man, it's seven thirty, man. Seven thirty. You ain't never All right. late, though. At seven forty-five, I will be there, America. I will be probably pouring <laughs> something. Listen, I don't do anything young. I'm not R. Kelly. It got to be twenty-one years, right? Got to be 21 years, scotch, right? I don't do nothing young. I got 21 years, and I'm probably going to be smoking an Opus X or Patron 80, <sighs> something, uh, something very, very lovely. So I'm going to be signing off right here, right? Because I got to go. I've been with this guy too fucking long. I saw this guy at 9.30 in the morning, and now I'm with him 7.30 at night. I got to go. But, but see, when he told the story, it was 9.45. But yeah, but we we go we gonna skip right over that. that. We was gonna yeah. skip over. No, it's nine thirty eight. Nine thirty eight is the actual nine, actuality. Nine thirty eight. So you know, hey, hey man, it was good having you. I love you. And man. um, you know what I'm saying what what I'll be on the Instagram at Mr. Muhammad. You know what I'm saying on Twitter, same thing. Yeah. Uh, and I'll be right back here next week. Right. In the conversation. Right. So don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend and even the enemy. Right. To get in the conversation. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us. See you next time. The main thing of it all is to be in the conversation. Conversation.